Good morning, church. Let me just move this around. Hearing those wonderful testimonies of what's taking place in our ministry is such amazing. It seems that the sermon today is sort of anticlimactic because we have heard of so many wonderful things through those testimonies uh, that uh, Pastor Timika and Pastor uh, Natasha had just uh, done. But as we reflect on this Sunday, I do believe that it's important for us to reflect on Scripture, particularly as we think and as we celebrate Trinity Sunday. One of the medieval church fathers, medieval church leaders by the name of Anselm, has a logo or has a, 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 a belief that he promotes. Anselm said, faith seeks understanding. Let me repeat that. Anselm said, faith seeks understanding. It's such a meaningful concept because it speaks about our own journey as Christians. Because as Christians, we could not just rely and stay on our current situation without growing up. Not only with regards to our own Christian maturity, but even with regards to the things that we believe in as Christians. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11, When I was a child, I speak like a child, I think like a child. But when I grew up, when I became a man, I have put away all childish things. And I do believe that that is true with regards to our own faith journey. There's a moment that when we receive Christ, that might just be the beginning. We need to grow, and we need to search for the truth. And part of that process of searching for the truth, and part of making our beliefs and our faith grow, would be to seek questions, even to doubt. You see, sometimes we believe that doubting is wrong, but not actually in that case. When we doubt and when we question, then that means that's the time that we seek answers. And God is seeking us into that space of doubting, of questioning, so that we would grow in our faith. And one of the most complex things that we need to be aware of and we need to grow would be our knowledge of the nature of God. Who is God? And I think that's the biggest question that we need to ask ourselves. These are the questions that we need to ask in terms of the nature of God, who He is, so that we could grow in our faith. And of course, one of the most complex things about the nature of God would be to have a clear understanding of the Trinity as we celebrate this Trinity Sunday. Because it's such a complex belief, it's such a complex doctrine to the point that some people would even say, why, why would I become a Christian when, when you have three gods? How, how is it possible for you to have a God with three persons? I mean, you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It doesn't make sense for many people and for others who belong to other faiths. And how is it possible then? And so even during the, 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 the first 300 to 400 years of the Christian church, there were so many questions to the point that there were people who believed otherwise that it's not possible for God to, be in three per- to have three persons, to have three distinct identities. 
And so those heresies, what we call as modalism, where they believe that God does not exist in three persons, but he exists in three modes. He became a father, and then he became the son, and then he became the Holy Spirit. That's what we call as modalism. But that's not what we believe. We believe in one God, but in three persons. But one of the things that I would like us to reflect today would not be about this doctrine of the Trinity, but on how it affects us. Because it would take hours, or even days, or even weeks for us to really discuss the theology of the Trinity. But for our, our purpose of gathering today, we would be reflecting on what it means and what is its implication to our own Christian faith. How does that impact you on your day-to-day living? How does that impact you into, in your day-to-day life as a Christian? That should be the question that we need to ask today. What is the impact of our belief of the Trinity of God in three persons in our day-to-day living as Christians. And the Bible teaches one critical and one crucial thing about the Trinity, and that is the Trinity is actually our model for community. Let me emphasize that. The Trinity, in terms of its implication to our Christian life, is this, that it is a model for community. You see, God is in relationship with the three persons within the triune Godhead. The Father is in relationship with the Son, and the Son is in relationship with the Father, with, with the Father and with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is in relationship with the Father and the Son. It's an image of community. It's an image of what it means to be in communion. It's an image of what it means in mutual relationship. The early church fathers coined the term to describe this mutuality and these relationships of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they developed and they coined the Greek word perichoresis. It's an interesting word. Perichoresis. Is it in our slide? It means that it's, it means it's a personal and dynamic interaction of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the root words of this would be coming from two Greek words. Of course, the peri and then the choreo, around and to go or to come. And that means that perichoresis means to go around or to come around. Isn't that amazing? That when you speak about this relationship of God with the, with the three persons in the Trinity, it means that they are going around. But interestingly, another Greek word that is similar to choreo would be the Greek word chorea, which means to dance. And so... Contemporary and modern theologians said that another meaning for perichoresis would be to dance around. Isn't that amazing? That the Trinity means that the three persons of the Trinity, the three persons of the Godhead, are dancing around. There is this divine dance of mutuality. And so according to Pastor Chuck uh, Warnock, he said that in this divine dance of mutuality, the three persons and each person of the Godhead complements and builds on the work of each other and of the persons of the Trinity. There is this divine dance. There is this wonderful connection and mutuality and interaction that is happening between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
But that, it doesn't stop there, though. That while there's this communion and while there's community within the Trinity and within the Godhead, it also speaks about the fact that as Christians and as believers, we need to reflect on this community. We are created in the image of God, and if God is in community, then we need also to live in community. This, one, this is one of the critical areas and junctures of a Christian faith that has not been given emphasis. Why? Because oftentimes we believe in the individual salvation. Our focus is always on the individual. Our focus is always about your own salvation. And the effect of this faith, the effect of so much emphasis on the individual salvation is that we tend to underemphasize and to delimit the aspect of corporate life in Christianity. To be a Christian means to be in community. It's not just about your individual salvation. It, it, it's not just about to each on his own. It's about living in community and serving together. When we speak about the teachings of Christ, actually he is always speaking about his kingdom. Kingdom where all, wherein all people belong. People from all backgrounds. There was that instance when Jesus was teaching about a parable where he was teaching about the fact that he invited people into this kingdom, but these people did not accept this. And so what, what, what this master did was to invite people in the streets, the poor, the orphans, the widows, and invite them into this space. That is community. We should not only emphasize the individual nature of our faith. We need to emphasize the nature of what it means to have corporate living as Christians and what it means to be a church. That means that from that relationship with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, it has to lead down back to what it means to us as we live as Christians. And one of the crucial things that we need to emphasize would be the text that we have read. And let me emphasize John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. And if you have your Bibles, let us read it again, because this is such a powerful text that I would like to emphasize today. That is in John chapter 17, verses 20 to 23. Because it speaks about that community. It speaks about that communal nature, when it's not just about the relationship of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but our relationship with Him as, a, as believers. My prayers is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. That is community. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. May we need to relate with God. May also they be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. In here we could already see the relationship of the Father to the Son. And I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as you and I are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to the complete unity so that the world know that you sent me, that I have loved them even as you have loved me. May they be one. Something and oftentimes that we miss. We do not give emphasis to that. 
And that is the reason why Christ gave this message to the church and why he formed the church. Because we are supposed to be living as a community. You could not live as a Christian without the church and without community. It is not possible for you just even to just attend an online worship service and not being part of our home churches, of our youth groups, or whatever communities that we have, or even here, being here in worship. Because to be a Christian means to be together. The moment we underemphasize the aspect of unity and community, then we lose the implication of the Trinity as Christians. And without the Trinity, we lose the meaning of community. And without community, we lose sight of what it means to live under the triumph God. The moment that we so much emphasize being just individual Christians, then we do not apply that concept of perichoresis. When there is division in the church, then perichoresis is not alive. When there's so much emphasis on denominationalism to the point that we do not want to participate in, in, in other Christian groups, then we fail perichoresis. When we do not invite people from outside, people who do not belong to our own socioeconomic groups or to our own race or to our own genders, and we do not invite them into this space of community, then we fail the Trinity. To be in perichoresis means that we are one and we are united and we are in community. And that means to be in fellowship. The moment we live in, in exclusiveness and we exclude people from the space of the church, then that means that we fail the triune God. The moment we say no to people who want to belong to our church, then that is where we fail. Martin Buber, a Jewish philosopher and theologian at the same time, said, sin is our failure to grant another his plea for community. Martin Buber said, sin is our failure to grant another his plea for community. When a person wants to belong to our church, and we say no, that is sin. When we say no to people who are outside and who are homeless and who are poor because we believe that they don't belong to us, they're dirty, they smell, and we say no, then that is where we fail in our Christian faith. When we say no to people who belong to other races because we say that they have different colors, we are different from them, and we are distinct, then we fail the Trinity. Friends, to be believers of the triune God means that we invite and we welcome and that there's no exclusivity. There's always space for inclusion. There's always space for welcome. But to be in community goes beyond just the aspect of gathering. It also means that the triune God and our belief in the Trinity means that this is also our model for relationships. Friends, God is a God of relationships. God is a God of relationships. He could not be otherwise than to be a relational God. And that's the reason why He loves us. John 3.16, for God 
so loved the world that he gave his only son. He could not be otherwise of not loving us because he is a relational God and he has to be in relationship with his creation. That is what we call as the vertical relationship between the Trinity and us, his creation. The relationship with God and us would be that vertical relationship that we need to maintain always. But from that vertical relationship, it has to redound back to our horizontal relationships, to our relationships with each other. That means that if we love God, then we need to love others also. If we say that we want to please God, then we need to please other people as well. Because we could not say, as the Bible says, we could not say that we love God, but we hate other people. We could not say that we love God and we are in relationship with God, but we are not in relationship with other people. That's not possible. We are created to be in relationship. And that's the be-all and end-all of Christian faith, to believe in the Trinity. There's a beautiful text, and I would, uh, I would uh, close with this. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48, and it's such a powerful text, and it's part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And if you read the text, it speaks of one crucial issue about Christian faith. Jesus said, and Jesus said, it was said that you love your neighbors, but I say love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And Jesus continued, what good is it and how different is it when you just love your neighbors and those whom you know, when you could not even love those who are your enemies. How different that is. To be a Christian means, according to Jesus, means to love going beyond the comfort level that we have. Because Jesus said the pagans do that. The pagans love their neighbors. But what makes Christians different would be that you love your enemies. Of course, from the perspective of human nature, you would not do that because human nature is a sinful nature and it's corrupt and it's always about hatred. And that's what we see in this world right now, this hatred towards others, the violence, the wars that we see, the, the, this brokenness of our homes. This is the result of our human nature. But we are not doing this based on our human nature. We are basing this on God's nature and God's nature is that He is a relational God and God is love. It is only when we are in relationship with God now that it is possible for us to love our enemies, to love those who do not like us, to love those who have ill feelings against us. It is not based on our human nature. It is based on God's nature who is a relational God, who is in God, who is a God of community, and who is a God of relationships. Friends, as we celebrate the Trinity, let us celebrate community and let us celebrate relationships. I pray that your relationships would be a manifestation and expressions of the reality of the triune God who is in community and who is in relationships. I pray blessings for all of you as you live Christ's life in the community and in all your relationships. God bless us.